Here's what's coming up on today's show. Now, one thing that we've been you know, sharing with clients and that is first half of the year is going to be a little rough, but then the market's going to be looking past that. And basically this time of year, say, do we think things are going to be better a year from now than they are right now? Let's not focus on the next 30, 60, 90 days. Let's focus on whatever your time horizon is. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Welcome into the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart and myself here to talk investing, finance, retirement, and preparing for market volatility in 2023 is our conversation piece for this podcast. So we're going to get into looking at some of the stuff. Are we uh, are we in for more of the same as we got this year, something a little different? Uh, we're going to look at some of the predictions, comments, and thoughts uh, from experts or talk, big talking heads, and then uh, Mike and I are going to run through that a little bit. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's the holiday season. You know, it's cold here in Chicago, so it's kind of status quo, but, you know, great yep. way to end the year. Yeah, yeah, we're going to drop this uh, the week of Christmas here, so that's when this will be coming out. So hopefully everybody has a great holiday. And uh, yeah, it's a little chilly, so enjoy the family, enjoy the holiday, and, and stay warm. So that's for sure, because mm-hmm. it is cold. But you know, let's talk about this, Mike. I don't, I'm not sure if we're, I guess we're not big talking heads. Maybe we're little talking heads. I don't know. But we, <laughs> we, we get on here, and we have discussions as well about these things. And a lot of times, it is just predictions, comments, thoughts, so on and so forth. But I've got a couple here uh, I want to run through, and then I'm going to ask you some questions kind of just based on those comments, how you've been seeing things within the practice. and what your thoughts are for the upcoming year. So let's dive in and get rolling on this. Mergers and acquisitions says that signs point to more market volatility in 2023. I feel like going, well, duh. It doesn't seem like a, <laughs> seem like a news flash there, does it? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think we're definitely, especially the first half of the year, a yeah. lot of the things uh, that's going on with the market in general throughout this year, high inflation and aggressive Fed raising rates, supply chain issues, labor inflation, all these things, they still haven't resolved themselves. So we're probably in for a little bit more, at least the first half of 2023. Yeah. Uh, sometimes like, you know, we, we talk often about how they have to have constant news cycles and things to write about. Sometimes you just go, wow, talking about low hanging fruit. <laughs> uh, all right. Bloomberg tracks the forecast of many market handicappers and reveals the average forecast for the S&P 500 is predicting a decline for 2023. Now, supposedly this is the first First time the aggregate prediction, maybe you can explain that a little bit to us, um, has been negative since 1999. Does that mean they feel going into the year, the whole year is going to be down overall and that just hasn't happened in a while? Uh, yeah, that, and that really has never happened as far as if you think about Wall Street in general, that's what where this really is kind of interesting. Okay. And you know, I'll give you kind of two schools of thought on it. One is they're coming out with, you know, their annual forecast of what they think, you know, where's the market going to end in 2023? Now, granted, those same individuals had in 2022 that the market was going to be about 15% higher. And instead, we're probably 15% lower, right. you know, in, if, if not more in some cases. So, you know, I don't know how much credibility I would put in those forecasts, you know, with the rationale behind them. So on one side of it, it's unusual because typically think about if you're a money manager, right? The last thing you would actually want to come out, no matter how you felt, is come out with your annual forecast and say, yeah, I think we're going to be lower next year. 
because that's not really self-serving as far as, you know, people can be like, well, what you're really saying is I should take money off the table. I should take my money away from you. So it's very unusual that a majority of the forecasters are actually pointing that the market could actually end lower next year. Now, part of that function is it's going to, you know, you might have a rough start to the year. Uh, the Fed says it's still going to keep rates higher for longer. Uh, so, you know, there's talk about an upcoming recession. So a lot of that uncertainty has a lot of individuals and, you know, prognosticators even, a lot of big Wall Street firms, yeah. basically, you know, trying to have a little job security saying, we don't think it's going to be as rosy, you know, going next year. Now, that being said, anytime 10 out of 10 people agree on something, they're probably wrong. <laughs> you know, so so chances are it's probably going to be a great year in the market just because to be a contrarian usually makes you more money. Well, you never know, right? So, And it does fit in line with the next one, which is Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson saying that the market in 2023 will face extreme volatility. Um, so that will relate um, – relates the market struggles to, a, he, he relates them, excuse me, to 1940s-style boom-bust inflation cycle. So that's a little heavier. No, absolutely. And Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson is, is an amazing guy. And it, what's, what I like about him is it's just, on, you know, he's never too bullish and he's never too bearish. He's just very realistic based on the data, you know, mm, based okay. on, you know, the tea leaves that he's writing out there. So he's comparing, a lot of people are comparing the high inflation that we've had in 2022 to, you know, the 70s type inflation, or even like, you know, when Volcker had aggressively raised rates, because that's the confirmation bias of everybody saying, well, that's all I, in my lifetime, that's all I know. Well, if you actually take a look in the 40s around World War II, as far as the amount of debt that the government has printed, you know, as far as the money in that uh, in the deficit, and then you take a look at the inflation that we have and the aggressive interest rates and all those things, it's actually more in line to the early to mid 40s, huh. you know, and that's what he's referencing on this boom bust inflation cycle. And, you know, and he's, and he's probably right. You know, it's now one thing that we've been, you know, sharing with clients, and that is first half of the year is going to be a little rough, but then the market's going to be looking past that. And basically this time of year say, do we think things are going to be better a year from now than they are right now? Let's not focus on the next 30, 60, 90 days. Let's focus on whatever your time horizon is. Well, that seems to fall in line with J.P. Morgan strategist that thinks stocks will slump the first half of 23. Uh, fundamentals, this is the quote, fundamentals will likely deteriorate as financial conditions continue to tighten and monetary policy turns even a bit more restrictive. That's the end of the quote there. So that seems to fall in line with, I think, a, a good you know, kind of across the board, look from many people thinking, well, you know, winter time, so on and so forth, everything that's still going on the first half of the year uh, could be rockier than the, possibly the second half. Yeah, exactly. And so what JP Morgan's talking about is fundamentals deteriorating as financial conditions continue to tighten. That means the Fed's going to continue to raise interest rates. And at the same time, earnings of companies are going to go down. As that happens, unemployment is going to go up. And then monetary policy gets more restrictive. And that just means, well, if unemployment's going up, if earnings are down, if it looks like we're heading towards a recession, banks are going to be less likely to lend as well, which causes an additional slowdown. So all of that is really what's in store for us over the next you know, three to six months or so. It's not doom and gloom. It's just a realization of where we're heading. But the good news is that's the back end of this cycle that we're going through. Well, all right. So with all those little things said there, Mike, let's get down to our conversation piece of this. So what do you think? Should people approach 2023 differently than they have in 2022? Because many of us, if you think about this, we walked out of 21 on a pretty big high, right, from a, from a financial standpoint. And maybe you didn't make any changes and 22 was fairly rough on you, right? It was pretty volatile. So with now the information we've been armed with all this year, should we make any changes going into 23? 
And, and how are you approaching those changes or thoughts if you do have those? Yeah, from a forecast standpoint, I'll, t- I'll use a quote from John Kenneth Galbraith. You know, he's a big economist that's out there, and he says, you know, there's two type of forecasters: those that don't know, and those that don't know they don't know. You know, that's really <laughs> the only two that are out there. So I'm not going to give you any prognostication on you know where where the market's going to end up at the end of 2023. But to, to kind of more pointedly answer your question is. If you didn't make any adjustments throughout the course of the year, you know, ideally you make the adjustments like for a lot of our clients, we reduce the risk that, you know, if we're over our skis and too much risk, we do that before the downturn comes. We don't wait for the downturn and then now you have to sell out a lot lower than things. But what you have to do is, and this is what the, having a good plan comes together is, you got to have a reason and know why you're invested the way that you are. So even if the markets are down, but you're still too aggressive as far as your market exposure, doesn't mean you might not want to tweak some things along the way that not everything is down double digits for the year. Some things, if you own energy stocks, they're up double digits for the year and probably won't be next year. So if that's the case, maybe you take some money off the table there and you kind of shift some things around. If you were light on bonds entering, guess what? Bonds are trading at a discount right now. Now it might actually make sense to go into bonds now that the Fed's getting close to the end of the rate cycle. So there's always improvements that could be made based on you know, looking out over the next 12 to 24 months on what are your goals, what are your needs, and then are there things you could take advantage of because markets have pulled back the past year? Well, you know, anytime there's volatility, we people get nervous, right? And if there's a lot of volatility, we get very nervous. And even if you're working with a financial professional such as yourself, there's still some a subset of people who are going to get overly panicked. Do you get many calls during some of these, you know, heavy times from folks? Actually, we don't. And, and it's funny, every now and then we'll have a you know, prospective client sit in here and it'll be like one of those days where the market's down 800 points or something, you know, which has been more frequent this year. And, and then they'll be like, it's kind of eerily quiet here. And like, you know, aren't your clients concerned in that? And the answer is, yes, they're concerned. But there's two things that are going on. One, in advance of a year like 2022, we've already made the adjustments to the portfolio like I was alluding to before. If we came in too aggressive and we didn't really need to take that risk to accomplish our goals, we've already made the adjustments you know, to the amount of risk. We know where our income's coming from. We know we're doing things in a tax-efficient manner. So really, we're okay, independent of if the market's going up or down. doesn't mean we're not getting impacted by it, but it's not changing our plan or our goals. And then the second side of it is we're very proactive in reaching out to clients. And I say this all the time on the podcast that it's easy to be a financial advisor in a bull market, sure. right? Everything's yeah. going up. Everybody's patting you on the back thinking, hey, you're doing such a great job. When in reality, yeah, the allocation's doing a good job, but really the market's doing the heavy lifting. Where we earn our keep is in making sure you don't make bad mistakes or you're not taking too much risk going into downturns like here so that that's where over-communicating to clients is important. Why are you allocated the way you are? Knowing that if you see that the market's down 20% for the year, your portfolio is not. So the market isn't your portfolio. Just constantly communicating to clients, either via video, via email, even just one-on-one phone calls and meetings, that positions us in a way that we're continually adding value independent of what the market's doing. Unfortunately, a lot of brokers out there you know, they hide under their desks when the markets are going down, the phones are ringing off the hook because their clients don't know. And all they really want, they're not blaming you for the markets going up and down. They just want a little bit of certainty and clarity that you've, you're you that steady hand on the wheel. Because yeah. if you can provide that, you can weather through these kind of storms. Well, okay. So whether you're retired or retiring soon, the, the concept of volatility, you still have to have some of this, right, Mike? I mean, is it something we should try to avoid totally at this stage of our life? Or is that the wrong way to go to? 
Yeah, I think that's the wrong way. It's not uncommon for a prospective new client to come in and say, you know what, I'm done with the stock market. And this is even an up year. I can't take this risk anymore. You know, I want to go into something. I want to go into cash and canned goods or something. You know, that's kind of the the approach that they have because, hey, I'm retired now. Cash and canned goods. (laughs) So the, the reality is that this money has to last you 25 or 30 years in retirement, right? So you can't manage it as if it's only got to be here for tomorrow. You need to get income off of this. You need to make sure you're not spending principal along the way. You got to make sure you're keeping up with inflation. You know, if anything, this year has you know shown everybody that you know inflation's reared its ugly head again, and it can and it can damage your budget and your spending plan. So the thing is, you need to have some volatility because what happens is all volatility is, and when people understand this, they can take a deep breath. So as long as you're allocated correctly, you know where your income's coming from. You're not spending principal. All volatility is is short-term losses for long-term gains. That's all it is, Yeah. right? So it's, it's yeah, things may pull back 10, 15, 20% for this small portion of your portfolio, but that's because it's going to be up 50, 70, 80, 100% over the next three, five, 10 years. So, you know, if that's not where you're pulling your income from, volatility is okay and volatility is your friend because to get those outsized gains when the market's going up, you got to have that exposure. Unfortunately, in the industry, a lot of people are just busy trying to sell people stuff. So they're selling them, you know, these insurance products, the bank products or whatever it is to appease what clients think that they want today, but it's not what they need. You know, so once again, all of our clients, almost all of our clients have market exposure. It's a lot less than they had when they first came in but they're going to use volatility as their friend in years like this year. Well, I want to get to some email questions to wrap up the podcast for this year. Uh, some, uh, a couple of good ones we have here, but let me ask you one more question, at least about this market volatility in 2023. What's your thoughts for those folks, Mike, who either they're losing the sleep uh, or they're worried about what's going to happen. You know, they're that kind of week to week, you know, uh, viewer, right? They're con- or even day to day, right? Where they're spending too much time looking at the stuff that's going on, and it's just really causing them a lot of stress. It's been a, it's been a tough year for in twenty two. What's kind of the thoughts that you would give uh, for moving into twenty three? Yeah, my, my advice for somebody who's uncomfortable, either now or throughout this year, or e- even in good years, you know, people are still uncertain about things. And for most, it's because they don't have a plan. And when I say a plan, we're talking about a real financial plan. We call ours the Retirement Success Blueprint. It says, how much risk should we take to achieve our goals? Let's not take more risk than we need to, right? So for some people, that might be 50, 60% in the market. For some, it might be none. One, where's our income coming from? Is it coming from interest and dividends off our portfolio so we don't have to spend the principal? In my book, I call it eat the eggs, not the chickens, right? So because if you're eating the eggs, the chickens, your principal's always going to be there. Third, are you being tax efficient in all the distribution strategies and investment strategies you do? Fourth, if you had a healthcare event, how would you pay for it? be it home-based health care or assisted living. Fifth, are all your estate planning documents in place, both for when you're living, like powers of attorney, and when you pass, things like wills and trusts and things like that. When you have a physical plan, a real written plan that addresses all five aspects, where your income's coming from, how much risk you're taking, you're being tax efficient, healthcare events, estate planning, that is a real financial plan. Unfortunately, most people, and this is where the uneasiness comes in, Most people who are working with just a broker, somebody who sold them stuff, even though they might call themselves an advisor, they have an investment plan. 
but it doesn't take into account income or taxes or healthcare or estate. And that way, when the markets are flying up and flying down, there's all this uneasiness because there is no certainty in their plan. So, you know, what advice would I give them, whether it's with our firm, you know, have us put a retirement success blueprint together for you, or it's another fiduciary out there. It's get a real financial plan that covers those five core elements, because that is what's going to make you comfortable in retirement. That's what's going to give you clarity and certainty in good markets and bad. Well, as always, if you're not working with Mike and you do need some help, reach out to him at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Even if you are working with him, you have to have a conversation. You can do that as well. But for crystallaketax.com, that's where you're going to find a lot of good tools, tips, and resources. So go check that out uh, and have a conversation and maybe get started with your own retirement success blueprint. Uh, you can also drop an email question, which is or email to the show, which is what we're going to do as well, or to the team. And uh, let's let's tackle a couple this week uh, before we wrap up for the year. We've got Frank in Barrington, and he says, "Mike, I'm already retired and had planned on my wife working another three years." He says, "Because she's younger than me, not because I'm a tyrant." He wanted everybody <laughs> to know that. Uh, but we just found out that we're going to be grandparents for the first time, so she would like to now retire. Uh, earlier, possibly in the coming year, to help take care of the grandbaby. I'd like to convince her this is a bad idea. Any thoughts? Yeah, Frank, you've been married long enough. I'm sure you're not convincing her of anything, <laughs> right? Let alone work in three more years or so. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I'll bring it back just from a financial planning standpoint. So, you know, Frank, if you and your wife are sitting here and we'd say, hey, we're thinking about retiring, you know, three years earlier than planned, is that doable? And really, that's just a conversation. And it comes down to math at the end of the day. We say, okay, well, here, where are you at? Where do you need to be as far as income, as far as medical benefits? You know, if she's not 65 yet for Medicare, how would we bridge that to make sure you got all the income that you need? And it's, and, you know, covered in medical insurance if you don't qualify for Medicare yet on her end, and that it's not going to disrupt your financial plan over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Right. That that plan is really what's going to dictate, Frank, can she retire? Can she not? Retirement isn't some arbitrary age or some arbitrary balance that you need to have. It always comes down to in retirement, income is the outcome. How much income can we generate on our portfolio? And if we turn on the spigot, let's say she's not 65 yet. Sounds probably a little bit younger. So if she's not 65 yet, and we've got to pay for health insurance outside of that cash flow from retirement, can we generate that extra cash flow from the accounts we're not tapping? So that way, she does get to spend time with the new grandchild, and she gets to be more available, not only for her, but for yourself too, Frank, right? So you guys might want to travel. There might be some things that you want while you both are never going to be healthier than you are today. Yeah. So really, it just comes down to you know, um, you know, does the plan work? And if you don't have a plan, get a plan. And then now, you know, with certainty on, is this a good idea? Or maybe it's not three years, maybe it's just work another year, you know, but at least get those numbers codified. So now you're actually making educated choices, not just guessing about what the future holds. Yeah. Cause he says he had a plan for her to work three more years. And is that based on any real numbers? Is that based on what you guys put together? Is it kind of arbitrary? Um, or was it a strategy that you had worked out, you know, with a professional before? So nothing wrong with rerunning those inf- that information now that, you know, the scenario has changed. So great question. Thanks for listening. Of course, we certainly appreciate that. And again, reach out to uh, Mike and the team at crystallaketax.com. All right, let's see. Uh, Jerry in Naperville, he says, I'm retiring soon and I've asked my financial advisor when I should start talking about or thinking about the Social Security conversation, getting that started. He seemed a little befuddled that I even asked him this question and didn't really provide any insight or thoughts on this. What am I missing here, Mike? I mean, shouldn't this be a basic part of the retirement planning conversation? 
Jerry in Naperville, common sense is not always common practice, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. un- unfortunately, littered in our industry, and I'm not saying it's your specific broker, but littered in our industry are a bunch of salespeople that aren't really advisors, even though they may call themselves advisors. And what I mean by that is if you are an advisor, you are in the business by name alone of providing advice. But unfortunately, a lot of people are just, how do I sell you this annuity? How do I sell you this managed account, this mutual fund, this ETF, this variable annuity, whatever it happens to be without actually that's product. That's not process. That's not advice. So what happens here is, and it's why I structured our practice the way that it is. So at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, you know, we work with clients in 27 different states all across the country. You know, we're kind of housed mainly out of here in Chicago and Madison. One of the things that we do is when I built this practice, the next spring, I've been doing this 22 years, but next spring we'll be celebrating our 15th anniversary as an independent financial planning firm is we handle financial planning. We handle investment management. We have a CPA and entire tax team on staff that does tax preparation and tax planning. We work with a legal team in-house that does the estate planning for clients. So when we come down and we want to talk about Medicare, we want to talk about Social Security, we want to talk about wills and trusts, we want to talk about tax mitigation strategies, or we just want to talk about investing in financial planning, we can do all that under one roof within the same four walls. So Jerry, you should have that expectation. Everyone should have that expectation. Most people's business models aren't that way in the industry. Most Wall Street firms aren't that way in the industry. But you want to have one source that has a lot of professionals within it that can give you tax guidance, estate planning guidance, investment, because this is your life savings that we're talking about. You know, and how you claim Social Security, especially if you happen to be married, can be the difference. The first best and second best option can be hundreds of thousands of dollars of a difference over your lifetime. So, you know, that would be a big red flag for me if my advisor couldn't give me, you know, some general information on Roth conversions for tax purposes or couldn't give me some general information about Social Security and Medicare and run a break-even analysis for me or a spousal analysis. Jerry, then you may have just outgrown your advisor. You may have been great at, you know, growing your money, but you're at a different stage of your life now where you got to protect it and get income off of it for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, and of course, Crystal Lake is a one-stop shop. So uh, definitely something to consider having a conversation, getting a second opinion, so on and so forth. And, and that's going to do it for this podcast. We certainly appreciate it. Jerry, thanks for that question as well. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, folks, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever podcasting platform you like to use. Uh, you can just simply type in Retirement Success Blueprint into the search box of any of those apps or you could just stop by the main website here that Mike has, crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Thanks for hanging out, my friend. Thanks for chatting with me all year. I certainly appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great holiday, and I look forward to talking with you more in the new year. Mark, Merry Christmas to you and your family, and we'll talk in the new year. Absolutely, to you as well and all our listeners. And we'll see you next time here on Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.